Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I hope you're all enjoying this glorious summer weather that we are having currently. Uh, Liam, have you been doing anything special with uh, with the gorgeous sun? Nothing special. Um, just as we were talking pre-show, uh, there's a lot of complaining going on about how hot it is at the moment. And uh, I'm pretty sure this time next week when it starts raining, uh, we'll be complaining again. So just typical British things going on. Yeah, absolutely. We we couldn't have had a more British uh, pre-show in that we moaned about the, the weather being too hot when all we've done for what feels like the last six months is moaning that it's it's not hot enough. So so yeah, very British in that sense. But you know, I shouldn't complain. I'm I'm done for the week. I'm off on a corporate golf day tomorrow. So uh so yeah, it's, it's, let's let as long as the weather continues till at least five o'clock tomorrow, uh, I'll be a very happy man. Look at you, let's hope it uh doesn't rain tomorrow like it's forecast. Well normally when I'm playing golf it's miserable, so I'm fully expecting this thunderstorms out of nowhere or something <laughs> like that. But um enough about my terrible golf game. Uh we, we, so basically this week we're gonna continue the kind of sophomore scrutiny series that we continued last week. Um obviously last week we dived into running backs. Um I think certainly some of the feedback I had, Liam, I don't know if yours was the same, but the feedback I had was that perhaps we were a little bit harsh. 
Um, and I think yes, people thought yeah. that we we maybe were a bit negative about the running backs. Yeah, uh, I, I find that I am a bit more of a sceptic, with, especially with second-year running backs. I think the biggest thing uh, for me is there were how many, eight or nine running backs last year that ended yeah. up hitting, quote-unquote, and everyone's hoping that one or two are going to hit the the top 12 mark this season at the position. So I think that's possible. But when you start talking about three plus, that's when I start thinking, mm, really, is it going to happen? Especially with some of the veterans that we had injured last year. Um, but I, I definitely see where they're coming from and I'll have to have a relook at my rankings, but I don't <laughs> suspect they're going to change too much. No, actually, I think I think for me, it comes down to the position as well as much as the running back position is, you know, it's the most important fantasy position, let's be honest. But I also find it incredibly unsexy. You know, it is a, it is a volume-based position. To a certain extent, you know, a, a plodder can put up decent production if, if they get the workload. Whereas, you know, this position we're going to talk about today and we're going to dive into some wide receivers. To me, this is, this is the most interesting position. This is the sexy position. This is the position that... You know, quite frankly, I could talk about all day. So uh, so we're going to dive straight into it. So what we're going to do is it's exactly the same as we did last week. We're going to talk through the first eight guys drafted in the NFL draft um, and then maybe hit on a couple of the, the kind of later guys. So first guy drafted in the NFL draft, I think a surprise certainly to me and, and to most, you know, draft Knicks and, and everybody um, associated was Henry Ruggs, who went with the 12th overall pick to the... I was going to say Oakland, but Las Vegas Raiders. Luckily, I saved myself the embarrassment. Um, what, what, do you, what do you think of Ruggs, Liam? Are you, are you a believer? Do you think that, you know, early to mid first round draft capital, do you think he's finally going to be fantasy relevant this year after what was, let's be honest, a, a tough first year? I, I genuinely hope so. I'm just not very confident in it. Um, Last year, we saw Nelson Aguilar, the famed person who can't catch a ball, actually do really well with Derek Carr as the deep ball threat. But then this year, um, the Las Vegas Raiders, I nearly got caught out there by saying Oakland as well, Rich. Um, the, the Raiders also brought in John Brown, who is also a, a very good deep threat when he's healthy. So... I'm hoping that Ruggs is, but I'm not very confident with Aguilar overtaking him last year. And then the Raiders are also bringing in another deep threat that will threaten his role in the offense uh, even more this year. Yeah, I think, you know, I've, I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. People are probably bored of me saying it. This is the exact type of receiver I just don't want any part of in fantasy, I think. You know, he, he he's the kind of guy that could have three or four fantastic weeks off the back of one or two deep catches. And at the end of the season, his stats suddenly look all right. But to me, I don't think he's ever going to be a, a player that you're consistently comfortable checking his box next to his name to start him every week. And I don't see that he's ever going to get the volume to be a consistent fantasy performer. Um I think that he's, he could well be a, a good NFL receiver. And I think that, you know, I've talked about it a couple of times. I think I talked about it with Murph where, you know, speed kills in the NFL and wherever he lines up on the field, it doesn't matter if he's not very good. It doesn't matter if he's not going to catch the ball. 
teams have to shade a safety over the top because he can run past every single corner in this league. And that helps the the Raiders as an offense. So I think he's always going to have a role and I think he will always get, you know, opportunity to put up some points, but I just don't know if I ever will feel comfortable predicting when those are going to be. So I'm quite happy letting other people have him on their roster and, and take the pick, basically. I mean, he he's essentially a better MVS or Marquez Valdez Scantling, if you don't know the acronym, uh, from Green Bay. He, he's got better athletic stats. Uh, from the analytic point of view, he does have insane speed. So he's got a 100th percentile 40-yard dash at 427. Uh, that's just insanely fast, but he doesn't seem to do anything other than those deep roots. And if he can work on that short game, then great. I think he will be more fantasy relevant. But at the moment, Darren Waller is the is the wide receiver or tight end one, but receiver one in that offense. And everyone's hoping that uh, Brian Edwards is going to become a much bigger role. So I don't see how both of those can be uh, true and then have rugs on top uh, being fantasy relevant and I, I do hope for rugs being relevant but I just didn't think it was going to happen from the outset I, I think I've got one maybe two shares uh, when he fell into the mid-second last year in rookie drafts but apart from that I, I love his analytical points um, especially around his speed but he didn't really have anything else apart from his speed and yes speed talks in the NFL but let, let's see how that actually translates into fantasy because I don't think it's going to do very well and I've been trying to sell rugs but I can't get anything for him so no I think I think the the sell point is well gone I think nobody will touch him with this year's rookie class already in I think you know nobody will essentially take him off you for for pretty much peanuts I mean he's going as wide receiver 47 now I don't think I'd pay wide receiver 60 prices, to be honest. It's, you know, I think for me, he's he's an avoid at pretty much all costs. And I feel I feel like a fraud saying that because, you know, my my thing is that I'll, I'll roster any player cost dependent, but perhaps Ruggs is the one that I don't want any part of. I mean, I'm the same as you, Rich. It, th- there's a guy later on that we're going to speak about that... Um, he his current ADP is just slightly behind Rugs, and I take him every day of the week over Rugs at the moment, and we'll get onto that later. But I don't take any any person um, at cost really. Um, I'm always looking for the values, and I, I don't like I, I don't like taking a player that I'm not comfortable at, at that position. Um, in a, in a draft, so I will never take a player or roster a player that I'm not comfortable with, and that's why I don't have many pieces of rugs. And um, so, although I like to roster players just to have that share across my my leagues, I just don't feel like rugs is one that I'm going to hit on. So I've been trying to get rid of. So with that, we'll move on. And the next player we're going to be talking about is Jerry Judy over in Denver. Uh, he was taken at the 15th pick last or the year before now. Um, so he's currently going as the wide receiver 29. And 
this year I really like his he, uh, his potential upside. Um, I do think that he'll be a wide receiver too this year, but I think that's already baked into his cost a little bit. I don't know how you feel on that, Rich. Um, wide receiver 29, it's only five positions away from that wide receiver two mark that we're looking at. I think everyone's already on that hype train of he's going to get better with Sutton back in that offence. It's just a bit of an unknown at quarterback. Yeah, I think I, I really liked Judy, the player coming out. He was he was my wide receiver too, both, both in my model and my rankings. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm a... Basically, I, I can buy any receiver if they're a good route runner. And Jerry Judy was maybe one of the best coming straight out of college. Um, he was incredibly refined, and I think that normally that translates really well to the to the NFL. And the problem is, is that he was in an offense with, let's be honest, an awful quarterback. Stock stick your fingers in your ears if you're listening, but Drew Locke is not the answer. Will never be the answer. And you know, you can see that just look at the stats. He had one of the lowest um, kind of adjusted completion percentages in the NFL. Judy had one of the highest percentages of uncatchable balls. And yes, he saw an insane target volume that I think he'd do well to get close to that again with with Sutton coming back. But I think that if Bridgewater is the quarterback, if, you know, dare I say it, we could see Rodgers or or Watson as the quarterback there, I think the quality of targets is going to improve. At his cost, you know, he's wide receiver 29. I think that's about where I'm taking him. He's my wide receiver 25 currently. So I think he's about right. I I don't love him because I think that, for me, he's he's the two in that offense. I think that that wide receiver core, it, it's still Cortland Sutton's, if I'm being honest. And if it was a decision between the two of them straight up, I'm taking Sutton every time. Um but I do really think that he has got, you know, really good potential. I think that he's got the type of skill set that will complement being a number two with a, a true, you know, let's call him an X because he is an X operating opposite side of him. Um, I mean, if if we were taking Judy and Sutton straight up, where, where do you sit on that limb? Uh, Judy straight up. Uh, over over Sutton. Oh, over Sutton, sorry. Yeah. Um, at current costs probably Sutton um but I think both of them have um their prices baked in with what the upside is expected off and so I think the the risk is equal on either side I am probably taking Sutton as he's the one and he's I think he's going a bit later I don't know whether you've got the similar pretty much the same ADP currently so I'm probably taking Sutton just because he's the one and there's a couple of things that I wanted to pick up on what you said. So just circling back, um, don't talk about Aaron Rodgers to Broncos, please. Don't make me cry. <laughs> um, I've been hearing about that for the for the past. <laughs> it was just for, just for you. That was the only reason I slipped it in. <laughs> don't make me start talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick, Rich. <laughs> um, so the other thing was, so he he went from a left-handed quarterback. Uh, to a right-handed quarterback, this is Judy, um, from moving from the college scene at Alabama, um, where Tua was throwing in the ball, to the NFL, where Locke was throwing in the ball. And although I'm not an expert 
at all in the NFL or anything along those lines. From what I've read and what I've seen, the trajectory is different. The spin is different. It takes a bit of getting used to getting back to a right-handed quarterback trajectory. So that so, could have been a little bit of an issue. Yeah, it's um, an inter- in interesting point. It's an interesting point. It's not something that I thought of. And I mean, I, I guess I'd argue that perhaps with a you know an off-season program and a training camp and things like that, you'd get used to it again but let's not forget that Joe Judy didn't have that no. luxury of a, a full training camp and full off season um so yeah I mean it, it is completely different catching the ball the, the release is different the way the ball spins is completely different and you know it's it's as simple as the hand placement needs to be slightly different to catch a ball from a left-handed quarterback so yeah it's, it's not something that I've thought about and I'd be lying if I said I think it's a massive deal but I think it's it's an interesting thought and um could potentially have had some sort of effect, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. I wasn't saying that it was the be-all and end-all of why he had a season like he did last year, but I definitely think that it, it was definitely an issue there. Um, so the, the only question I got for you then, Rich, is how do you feel if Teddy Bridgewater is the starter over Drew Locke? Re- a reminder that Teddy did keep three wide receiver 25s last year. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think that, I think that if... Bridgewater is the starting quarterback. I think it probably knocks Sutton a bit um, because I think that Teddy Bridgewater is a an, a, an above-average accurate thrower on those short to intermediate routes. And to me, that massively complements a elite route runner, which is what I put Jerry Judy as. And I think that it doesn't complement that, you know, size, speed, deep threat, contested catch ball, guy that is Cortland Sutton I think if Bridgewater is the starting quarterback there then I would probably take Judy over Sutton but I just I'll be honest I think that that Bridgewater is the better quarterback I think Bridgewater is the better fit for that offense and I think that he's more likely to win more games but I just can't see them going anywhere else but Drew Locke the price they paid to bring in Bridgewater I think it's basically they're saying he's their backup and I think that it's you know competition in quotation marks I think it's Drew Locke's job and and we'll see that come week one so leaving Joe Judy behind moving on to let's be honest the greatest thing since sliced bread my perhaps favorite receiver in the NFL was my wide receiver one coming out I was completely gobsmacked that he went wide receiver three in the draft and I was completely gobsmacked that the Cowboys took him and that is CD Lamb um you know, he he came out of the gates absolutely flying last year. In in games with Dak Prescott, a quarterback, he was the wide receiver 10 in those games. He was, you know, showed from day one why he is what I think is an elite prospect and, and going to be an elite elite player in the NFL for the next five to ten years. Um, are you as high as him as... as uh, are you as high on CD Lamb as I am, Liam, or am I crazy and uh, need to drink some Kool Aid a little bit? I do think you need to drink some Kool Aid a little oh. bit, but I do like him, and I think I, I am high on him, but not as high as you. <laughs> um, I, I do like CD, but his current cost, I like some of the players around him in startups, and um, I just unfortunately never had enough draft capital to get him last year in rookie drafts. Um, I think he's going to do well this year, and I do think that he overtakes overtakes Gallup in that offense. 
and with the reports of um, Amari Cooper having some irritation on his ankle, um, whether that translates because um, ankle injuries do tend to linger a little bit, depending on what they are. Um, we'll, we'll see how involved CD is. I do think that he hint, he was hindered last year from the QB play, as we've spoken on a couple of pods further back when we spoke about Zeke. Um, it, that offence really struggled when Dak went down. And some of the other quarterbacks, you had Andy Dalton, you had Ben DiNucci. Um, I'm probably forgetting one more that they had, but I do think that they or Lamb will see a bigger target share this year. And some of the catches he made were absolutely amazing. I'm just picturing the one in the end zone on the left-hand side of the field. If you've got YouTube, go and have a look. Um, just It was one of the best catches I've seen from a rookie um, I can remember so I do think that he's going to do well I just think that his current price I do like the value of a couple of others around him in startups um, but yeah I, I I can't fault where he's going at the moment at all yeah I think look I'm you know I'm sticking my neck out on on CD Lamb I think that you know for me we talked about the lack of an off-season for Jerry Judy CD Lamb came in with that same issue. And, and as I said, through five weeks, he was the wide receiver 10. Well, you know, Justin Jefferson had the greatest, maybe outside of Randy Moss, but statistically the greatest rookie wide receiver season ever. And he did nothing basically for the first three weeks. And yet CD Lamb was, you know, a, a, a fancy stud in those first three weeks. And I just think that had Dak not got injured... I think C.D. Lamb would have established himself as the wide receiver one. I was asked the other day for a, a somewhat hot take. Um, and my hot take was that I think C.D. Lamb's going to be the dynasty wide receiver one by the end of the season. And not, you know, yes, it is slightly hot take. I'm, I'm not sitting here saying that that's definitely going to happen, but I think it's within his work realm of outcomes. And I think that, you know, he's going as the wide receiver seven currently. I, I could, he's my wide receiver five, but to be honest, I've got Devontae Adams ahead of him. I could easily see him sneaking up to, to two or three in that list right now. Um, I think that he has got everything you need from a NFL receiver. I think he has got great size, great speed. I think he's very underrated route runner, but I think his um, kind of body control and ability to manoeuvre to the catch point is, is very impressive. And I think that, that I could sit here and talk about CD Lamb all day. But I think for me, this may well be your last opportunity to go out and buy him because I think as soon as Dak is fully flying and as soon as that offense gets humming, I think we're going to see wide receiver one, wide receiver two prices. And unless you want to pay, you know, three, four firsts, I don't think you're getting anywhere near a CD Lamb. No, I'm with you. Just, just out of curiosity, who currently do you have above him in your ranks? And, how do you see their seasons playing out? So I've got so I've got tier what I call one A, which is my like contenders tier one, which is Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. And then I've got my tier one B, which is Justin Jefferson and AJ Brown. And then CD Lamb headlines my tier two. So depending on roster setup and, and kind of function, you could argue that CD Lamb's my wide receiver three. You could also argue he's my wide receiver five. So in the right situation, I could easily take Lamb above Hill and Adams. Um, 
but I, I just think for me at the moment, I know I talked about, you know, him having a hotter start than Justin Jefferson. I do think that Justin Jefferson obviously did it over a longer time. And I think Justin Jefferson's, you know, is, is the the only real option in that receiving game. Yes, Adam Thien's still there, but he's fading out. Whereas CD Lamb does have a lot of competition. Um, but to be honest, I could easily look at this again in a week and I could be moving CD Lamb up to that wide receiver three spot. I, yeah, I totally get that. Um, the, the, what Rich was saying about the different roster constructions we'll be going over in a couple of weeks, just a little teaser. Um, but with with his 1A, you're probably looking at the older guys, probably in the more win-now type of build, and then your 1B, you're probably looking at the younger guys. So I'm assuming that's how you've got it, Rich. It, yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that. So... Following that, we're going to move on to Jalen Rager, taken with the 21st pick in the draft. He finished as the wide receiver 87, so not great at all. Um, He's currently going as the wide receiver 50, and this was the guy that was on about um, taking over Ruggs every day of the week. He's very underrated in my eyes at that current ADP. He was on a bad offense last year. He went through two different quarterbacks, which is not easy for any wide receiver, really. Um, I know we try and downplay it, but switching a quarterback, that chemistry goes. Um, And then on top of the O-line issues that that offense had, the quarterbacks really didn't have enough time to throw the ball. And then who else was around him in that offense he had? Alshon Jeffrey was out most, if not all, of the year. The corpse of Alshon Jeffrey. The corpse of Alshon Jeffrey. Um, You had Deshaun Jackson play for, what, two games? And then you had Greg Ward, the the converted quarterback. Um, JJ Artega Whiteside, I want to say, is the pronunciation. Let's let's not forget Travis Fulgham pop up for, what was it, the the most ridiculous four-week period to then completely disappear. So, the... As we've just mentioned, that that's five wide receivers, and not one of them really had any um, real threat on their field. And so all of that coverage was going against Rager and the the running back Sanders, and and that's it really. So I do expect a bigger year and at wide receiver fifty. I think that's an amazing value, especially with Devonta Smith, the rookie, going there. I do think that that'll draw some of the coverages away and having a full off season with um, Hertz to work on that chemistry. I, I just think that Rager at the moment is an absolutely screaming buy. I think for me, Rager is the toughest player of this group that I have ranking and have an opinion on. Um, traditionally, my opinion is if after, you know, your rookie year, you didn't produce then I'm fully out on you and I'm I'm trying to sell for whatever value I can get because I think that the chances of people that don't at least flash in their rookie year then going on to be productive are pretty slim. If the price for Jalen Rager was, you know, around that wide receiver 60, wide receiver 70 point, then yeah, I'd probably be sitting here saying at that cost, I'd go and take a punt on him. But, to me, I'd I'd much rather 
several guys that are going in around where he's going currently. You know, he's going around the likes of Brandon Cooks, Corey Davis, um, Michael Gallup. You know, I'd, I'd rather all of them over Jalen Rager because I just worry that, yes, he was injured. Yes, it was a pretty weird situation with Carson Wentz turning into a pumpkin and then, you know, Jalen Hurts coming in and running the ball a lot and, and the, the target volume not being there. But I just worry that he's, you know, he's not going to be the true stud that we had hoped. And I think that the Eagles have shown us that by going out and drafting Von Smith as high as they did. You know, I think if if they hadn't addressed the wide receiver position at all in the draft and we were coming back, and I think they'd have been telling us that they believe in Rager, but a team doesn't go out and spend, what was it, the 12th overall pick in, in the draft a year after spending a first round on a receiver if they truly believe that Jalen Rager's the you know, the, the wide receiver that they can build their receiving core around. So for me, I'm, I'm uneasy, uneasy at his current cost. And I think for me, he's, to, to contradict exactly what you said, a, a probably a sell for me. Yeah, um, just to correct you on that, Smith was the 10th overall. Oh, they okay. traded up from 12. But <laughs> yeah, I, 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 get your, I get your point. Um I, I do agree that he didn't have, obviously I have to agree that he didn't have a great production in the first year. That's why he was the wide receiver 87, but I don't think that he had a great position to achieve. And um, I think that with that offense, how poor it was and the team in general wasn't brilliant. Um, hence why they had the 12th overall pick that, that, I do think that this year with a proper training camp and that offense should have a year under its belt and hopefully an improved offensive line that you'll, you'll see a jump there, but we'll, we'll see when the time comes, when, when the season comes, we'll, we'll see who's right on this one, Rich. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we can uh, bookmark this and revisit in uh, six months or so. Um, but the, the next guy, you know, we've already hinted at him. This is the guy that had, the the best rookie season ever in terms of yards, I believe. Um, and that is Justin Jefferson. For me, you know, I, I said he he's my he's in that tier one B, if you like. He's my wide receiver three. I think he's an absolute stud. He, you know, was fantastic in college, but even arguably better in the NFL. And when a guy breaks out as a rookie and, and does what he does, it's it's hard not to, you know, buy into the hype. Um I do wonder if, dare I whisper it, that this could be a good opportunity to sell. Um, I've just seen a DLF released, you know, their their June ADP this morning, and he's going as the wide receiver one, which always makes me nervous. You know, I've, I've said it many a time. As soon as a guy reaches that top, it might be the opportunity to sell. What What do you think, Lim? I know that the listeners can't hear, but uh, you probably saw me clapping when you said he was a sell. <laughs> uh, I, I absolutely love him as a sell candidate right now. He's, as you said, June ADP for DLF is the wide receiver one. I'm seeing him go as at least the wide receiver three, if not um, any higher than that. So I think at the moment he is a screaming sell. Yeah, he might be a great receiver for the next couple of years, but how much 
a certainty do we have in the next couple of years? You've got Thielen still there, even though he may take a step back. And you've got Cousins, who's still there for another, what, two years on a run-first offense. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to downplay Justin Jefferson at all. He's still my wide receiver five. But I think at the moment, with the cost that he's going at, with how young he is, I think you could probably trade him for someone that you think will have a jump, even like a CD lamb and get something on top of him. Maybe it's not a lot, but at least you will have that extra bit. And I think when someone gets as high as they do, like as high as this, so the wide receiver one, two, three, it creates an opportunity to sell because there's no guarantees next year that he stays at that range. And that's why in all these that I'm not contending, I'm selling Devontae Adams. Um, yes, he's a slightly older, so the situation slightly different. Um, and the price definitely went down with Aaron Rodgers, uh, the uncertainty there. But I just think while someone's going as high as they are, um, I don't see why you don't sell and then take a, another guy that is more risky but then if that pays off you've created profit as well as getting a rising asset i don't know how you feel about that rich yeah i think when when i'm suggesting that he might be a sell i don't want people to think that i'm sitting here suggesting that you should go out and sell him straight away i think i would only be willing to sell justin jefferson for what i'd consider would be an overpay and if you know you mentioned cd lamb there if i can get cd lamb plus what a first then i'm doing that deal all day um, if I can go out and get AJ Brown, I don't know if people are slightly down on AJ Brown now. If I can get AJ Brown plus with Justin Jefferson, I'm, I'm absolutely doing that. You know, if I can get Calvin Ridley or DK Metcalf plus, I'm probably doing that deal as well. And I think that those are the type of deals I'm looking to do. I'm not looking to move down to, you know, a Judy or a, a T Higgins or some of the other guys I mentioned. If I can get what I consider a top five, six receiver, plus um then i think that that's a move that i'd look at um i do think that justin jefferson is an absolute stud and i think that he's gonna you know produce over the next few years and i think if i've got him on my rosters and i i, I think i'm going to compete then i'm feeling in a very good place with him as my wide receiver one or even you know if, if he's anything less than that then i'm absolutely laughing but I do wonder, as I've, you know, I will always say, and it's a process that I'll stick to, as soon as a guy reaches that top and peak value, the only place for Justin Jefferson to go is down. So if you can try and pivot, perhaps, you know, buy someone a little bit um, lesser in, in value and, and get an additional asset on top, I think it's a move that you need to be looking at. Yeah, I, I again, I'm I'm with you. I think we're, we're singing from the same hymn sheet here. It, if, if, as you said, if someone's at that peak value, I don't see what you don't sell. Um, yeah, he may. There's more chance of him moving down in value than there is up if he's going as the wide receiver one um, or, or staying where he is if he's going the wide receiver one. So, yeah, from from that point, I'm, I'm probably selling and trying to get a, 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 an extra asset somewhere here or there. So moving on, we're going to go to San Francisco with Brandon Ayuk, uh, 25th pick in the draft. He went. He's currently going as the wide receiver 22, which I was a little bit surprised about. But then now I think about it, it's probably um, expected. 
Um, I, I hold reservations around Ayuk. I think he was great when he was on the field last year, but we didn't see, or at least for me, I, I didn't see enough of him, Samuel, or Debo Samuel, and George Kittle on the same field at the same time. And I wonder who Lance, when he does come in, picks as his quote-unquote wide receiver one um, out of Sam, Samuel or Ayuk. I I love Shanahan and that offense for basically all fantasy assets, but I just struggle with who's going to actually get the targets or whether it is going to be a full split. Um, how how do you see this offense, Rich? Yeah, I I think that's the million dollar question, isn't it? If you look at this offense and you know Brandon Ayuk. So to give you an idea of how good he was last year, from week seven to week 16 last year, Brandon Ayuk was the wide receiver three in points per game. That was behind Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. So when this guy was flying down the stretch, yes, he had a couple of injuries and missed a couple of games. But when he was flying, he was incredible. And, the, the, you know, you raised the perfect question. Is that the real Ayuk or with Debo Samuel in that offence, with George Kittle on that offence, does he become the the kind of third option and do we see him drift away? I think, personally, I kind of sit somewhere in the middle. I think wide receiver 22 is, is about right. I think I'd throw him in the same tier as, you know, Jerry Judy and, and Claypool. In, in fact, I've, I've literally got them all back to back in my rankings and I think that at that price, it's about right. I don't know if I'd be willing to go out and buy him right now because I do think you're paying a slight supplement based on the fact that he obviously produced well last year and I think that that's his ceiling as a as a receiver. I do think that when everybody's back, he, he probably settles in as a wide receiver too at best. So it's it's a guy that... I, I'm not sitting here saying that he's a buy. I'm not sitting here saying he's a sell, but I, I'm certainly monitoring him across those first couple of weeks because I think that if he comes out the gates and produces with Samuel and, and Kittle healthy, then I'm probably going to go in and, and buy because I think he's he's proven that he's, he can do it with them. But equally, if he has a bad couple of weeks, I'm, I'm probably going to try and sell and get whatever value I can because I think that he could well settle in as the third option and, Let's be honest, that Shanahan scheme will always be run first and, and there will be weeks where he could disappear. I'm, I've am i already stated everything that I've got on Ayuk. I, I think he is going where, he, where I, I personally have him and where I think that he, he will finish up last, uh, at the end of the year. I don't think I have anything else to really add apart from I'm just sceptical about that whole offence and I just can't put my finger on whether it's going to be Samuel or Ayuk that gets more of the looks in that offense and Kittle's always going to be the receiver one there so to without an injury to Kittle I don't know whether both Samuel and Ayuk are going to be fantasy relevant for us I think he's um, going to be he's going to be infuriating to own because I think that that whole offense is is going to be difficult to predict consistent volume outside of Kittle and I think he's the kind of guy that you'll look back at the end of the season and he'll settle in as a wide receiver too and you'll go oh Brandon Ayuk had a good season but actually he'll have you know I know Murph does the consistency records he'll probably have like six or seven MVP weeks and six or seven bust weeks and and 
you never feel fully comfortable starting him but actually when when he has those good weeks it's fantastic and I think yeah you know it, the the phrase is often overused but perhaps he's a better best ball player than a, a kind of a, a traditional fancy redraft player so the the next guy is uh, is going to be T Higgins so I've had some, shall we say, some banter over the last sort of six or seven months with with Matt, or who was on the show uh, a couple of months ago, because uh, I believe Matt once said that he'd take T Higgins straight up over CD Lamb, which he's since recanted and accepted that I was correct. So, um, but that being said, you know T Higgins was fantastic last year. In uh, if you take games last year from week three onwards, in which Joe Burrow played, so that's week three to week ten. T Higgins was the wide receiver 11 in fancy points. Um, he was fantastic. He showed everything you could want from a, a wide receiver one, both in fantasy and, and from an NFL perspective. We then see, you know, Joe Burrow's best mate, Jamar Chase, get drafted and suddenly T Higgins' price has completely dropped and he's now going in that Jerry Judy, Brandon Ayuk, Chase Claypool range. And, I, I I just wonder if we've probably the hate's gone a little bit far. I mean, what, what do you think about T Higgins? I like him as the player. I just, I think he's going to be one to watch and similar to Ayuk. I don't know how he will be impacted by Chase. And I don't know whether or which one of those, those three are probably going to be the one that are missing out. So when I say those three, I mean Chase Higgins and Tyler Boyd, who's going to primarily be in the slot this season. Um, I liked Tyler Boyd last year. He was playing really well. I believe he was the wide receiver eight um, throughout the first half of this season. Or he was definitely a wide receiver one. Uh, for a good portion of the start of the season last year. So I just think that they've got three really talented wide receivers, but I can't put my finger on which one is going to be the one that loses out. I definitely think that that offense can support two top wide receivers. I just don't know which one is going to be the one that doesn't make it into the wide receiver two range. Um, And the, the other thing we need to take into consideration is they took chase over uh is that how you pronounce it yeah um so that offense we all know needs a very big um upgrade um it's not been good for years and they've tried to be put try to put draft capital in there and it hasn't um hasn't really worked for them um don't think, quote me on it, but I believe that they did take a, a lineman later on in the draft. But yeah. if you're taking Chase over one, one of the top prospects we've seen in years, according to some, some draft scouts, I think we need to listen to that. And Chase is probably one of the, the two that is going to be most beneficial. And then it's probably down to Higgins or Boyd for me and who's going to actually miss out and who's going to hit. Yeah, I think for me... Whilst I, I hear you that, you know, there's the, the kind of um, trope out there that the the Bengals blew everything because they didn't protect Joe Burrow after his knee injury. I, I really find it difficult to completely buy into that because to me, if you look at it from a, a game perspective, but also from something like a PFS perspective, their tackle play last year was actually competent. 
their issue was was that their their two guards were basically turnstiles. I think they were something like the 60th and 64th best graded guards by PFF. You know, they were abysmal. So yes, Penne Saul is fantastic, and going out and drafting Penne Saul would have added another body to that group but they've already got two tackles obviously they spent a first round pick I think it was three years ago now on Jonah Williams they went and signed yes a journeyman tackle but I think it was Riley Reef um in free agency so to me they're never going to be studs those two but they've got competent tackle play so they then went and drafted a guard with the second pick in their in their draft pool so Jackson Carmen. Yeah. So they're they're now addressing that guard need. So I think that to me, they've yes, they could have gone out and drafted Penne Salt, but I don't think it would have necessarily answered the problem, which was guard play. And so you can go and get out, you know, let's be honest, one of the best wide receiver prospects coming out of college for the last four or five years, a guy that, you know, let's again, their quarterback spent two years with in college and knows better than any scout or anybody else. And let's, they wouldn't have drafted Jamar Chase without the blessing of Joe Burrow. So if they're going out and getting Jamar Chase, you know, Joe Burrow wants him. And I think that that offense could be absolutely fantastic. And I think that there is going to be enough volume in that offense for T Higgins and Jamar Chase to both be decent options. And T Higgins is a guy who, the fantasy community have been high on in March. He was going as the wide receiver 12. He's now going as the wide receiver. What are we? 22, 21. So he's, yeah. yeah, So he's dropped nine spots because they drafted Jamal chase. I don't think the target volume changes for T Higgins with Jamal chase there. Yes. He, he might go from the one to the two, but I think the actual number of targets he's going to get hasn't changed much. I just think that it's going to be redistributed within the offense. So for me, I think T Higgins is a really good buy candidate. I think we've seen that he can produce. I think we've seen fancy production from him. And I think that this is a guy who's, who's still crazy young. I want to say he's like 21, 22, isn't he? Um, if I can go out and buy him for wide receiver 22 prices, you know, if I can get him for probably what a, a first, maybe a first and a second, um, I'm, I'm absolutely doing that every day. Yeah, so T Higgins turned 22, so he's going to go into the season 22 um, as well. So he is still crazy young. And I'm not saying that that offense isn't going to be good. I just don't think it's going to support three wide receiver twos. Um, And I know earlier on in the pod, I said Teddy Bridgewater supported three top 25 wide receivers. Um, But I just don't think that you're going to see that from this offense. So I think we might have to take this offline, Rich, and go talk to Murph <laughs> on his, uh, on his produ- uh, projections and may- maybe get stocks involved as well, see where they've all got the, uh, the targets going. It's an interesting um, debate. Maybe, maybe, we, uh, maybe we put it out to Twitter. We see who, who do you think is going to be, uh, who would you take, Higgins or, or Boyd, in terms of uh, targets? Yeah, definitely. We'll, uh, we'll we'll have to put that out there. So keep your eyes on the Five Yard Dynasty page. Uh, shameless little plug there. So moving on, we've got Michael Pittman. He went second pick of the second round to the Colts. Um, so current ADP is wide receiver 40. Uh, 
he finished as the seven, wide receiver 79 last year. And we've seen a massive jump in his ADP purely because you've got Wentz there now um, over Rivers. And that means that you aren't going to see as many targets to the running back position because we all, or if you watched last year or the past couple of years, um, Rivers loves throwing to his running backs. That's why Hines did so well last year, or at least part of the reason. We'll see how Pittman does this year. He hasn't lost anyone in that wide receiver room. T. Hill, uh, T. Y. Hilton got re-signed to a one-year deal, and um, and then Paris Campbell is coming back off of yet another injury. And <laughs> um, so, and then Zach Pascal, who's shown when he's on the field, he can produce at an NFL level. I'm not saying that he's fantasy relevant per se. He's not terrible, but he's shown that for an NFL team, which we're, we're talking about NFL. A, a whole here yes we like to talk about this little game that we all play that is fantasy but the organization and the coaches don't care about our little game they talk, they care about what actually happens on the field and if pascal produces he's going to be considered a threat from an actual game point of view so it is interesting to see what actually happens in that offense um, especially with Paris Campbell not really seeing much production because of his injuries and whether Pascal sees some targets and some looks within certain packages. So how do you feel on Pittman, Rich? Because I, in my mind, I like that value, but I don't know how far it actually increases on the production side during the year. Yeah, I think you can probably copy and paste everything that I've said about Jalen Rager and, and put it here. I think that this is a guy, yes, he was kind of injury played, um, you know, he's in and out of the lineup, but he had the opportunity to produce last year. You know, there, as you said, there was nobody else really in the offense. There was a, what is he now, 32, 33 year old T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell was gone he had the volume there to produce and didn't. And and that always worries me. The fact he's going at wide receiver 40, you know, I, it, that's that's far too rich for me. Um, I'm certainly not touching him at that price. If if I could get, you know, wide receiver 60 price, then yeah, I'd probably be going out and buying him. But he, he could well, you know, come out second year and produce. But to me, I think he's the kind of guy that, fancy guys and dynasty guys talk themselves into as there's no other target in that offense and actually what i fully expect to happen is ty hilton will probably come back and put up a fringe wide receiver two wide receiver three season and and Pittman. i think if you can get wide receiver four or five for him you'll probably be quite happy but yeah not not one for me um i, I love the fact that you brought up zach pascal you know i think that it's really interesting that they they put a second round tender on him. You know, the Colts obviously believe that he's competent. That's, you know, nobody was going to give up a second round pick to go and get him. I think they could have put him at the lower tender and, and probably ended up keeping him. But they obviously made sure that he wasn't going anywhere and he's come back. So I do think that Pascal will play a part in that offence. And But I just don't know if, if Pittman, for me, I feel comfortable taking him in the range that he's currently going. Um, you know, I'd, I'd much rather, again, all those names I listed earlier, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, Corey Davis, give me all of those guys over over Michael Pittman at his price. 
I, I'm really interested to see what happens in that offense because just looking at some of the stats from last year, Hilton didn't have a great year, as as we all know, but he played a lot more games than I thought. And he only had two games or over only two games over 20 points. And all of his targets, apart from two games, were around five, six, or seven. So he wasn't really he, he was a focal point of that offense. He had 93 targets in total, but he wasn't your your standard wide receiver, one of 100-plus targets, and then no one else sees anything else. I do think that that offense may get spread around a bit more, but let, let's see how it goes, because one-year, 10 million contract for TY is not a small contract at all. Um, and... Yeah, I just don't. I think this is kind of a, a poor man's version of the Bengals' offense. I don't know which wide receiver is going to succeed, but if you can call which one it is going to succeed in that offense, you're probably drafting them at a value, and we'll see how how it does work out. Because I don't believe any of these wide receivers are going to be going before Pittman at the wide receiver forty. Um, so whichever one does succeed, if you draft them, kudos to you because you're probably onto a winner there. And I think you know this this sort of player in this sort of value range. It comes back to that point about what we talked about roster construction. These are just the kind of guys that in a startup, or I, I'm just not looking to acquire because I just think that there's guys in that range that I think I'd rather take a punt on. Either, you know, Elijah Moore's going three three spots after Pittman in current ADP. Give me Elijah Moore over Pittman every day of the week. Um, or I'd rather go for somebody that I kind of know what I'm getting in, like a Brandon Cooks, who, you know, yes, isn't the sexiest name, but I can probably pencil in wide receiver two, wide receiver three numbers from Brandon Cooks and feel comfortable with it. Whereas I just don't think, for me, for Pittman, would I be shocked if if... In a year's time, he was finished as a wide receiver too. Yeah, to be honest, I probably would be. Would I be shocked if he was completely fantasy like irrelevant and and didn't produce at all? No, I I just think that for guys in this range, as I said, if they've not produced in that rookie year, unless I'm getting a complete discount, you know, like we talked a couple of weeks ago about and kill Harry. The only reason I'm in on Nikhil Harry is because of the current price. He's basically free. He's wide receiver 90. Well, Michael Pittman, he's not produced. He's a year older. He's a year you know, further on on that rookie contract. And I'm still having to pay wide receiver three prices for him. I'm, I'm just not comfortable with that. I think with all of these guys as well, we need to really see how they do in training camp because they not one of these receivers, obviously, from last year had a proper training camp. So I think that's going to be huge for them all and huge for us to see which ones actually do pretty well. I'm not taking any notice, really, of minicamp and the fact that Tua is thrown five interceptions today as of recording on Tuesday or anything like that. But when we get to proper training camp, and they're going out with the ones and we, we, we started to hear a bit more. That's when I'll start tweaking my rankings. I'm not saying that Pittman's going to suddenly become the wide receiver 24 off him having a great catch, but I think it's always a good resource to have a listen to 
and just think maybe I'm a little bit too high on this guy or I'm not as high on this guy. And that's where I think Pittman is going to see his rankings change a little bit if there is like a good story in training camp. I do think that his... Um, I do think that his value and his ADP is going to rise uh, to the point where I don't want him. So, Rich, let's move on. Um, as we've done with the past couple of pods, or the last pod, sorry, um, we went well, after we did the top eight uh, guys drafted, we decided to do the best of the rest. So, Rich, is there anyone out of the best of the rest that you're really looking at? to improve anyone that you don't want at all at their current cost? Is there anything that really sticks out to you? If I, if I can continue being incredibly negative, as one person put it, um, I'm going to continue with, uh, with three guys that I think are massively overvalued. Um, so the first guy is Chase Claypool. Okay. So I think Chase Claypool is an incredible athlete. And I think that he could well be, you know, a really good NFL receiver, but people looking at him, looking at his size, looking at his speed and saying, oh, he's going to be the the alpha, a phrase that I absolutely hate um, in Pittsburgh, I think are just completely wrong. I think his fantasy production last year, he was the most touchdown reliant player in all of fantasy um, for his production. No player was more reliant than him. And I think that to me, that's an absolute fade because I can't see... I can only see, sorry, that touchdown reliance regressing. So I think that Chase Capel for me is, is an avoid at his current price. Um, and then two guys, you know, just to stay on brand that day three wide receivers don't matter. Um, and that's Gabriel Davis and Darnell Mooney. So both are going as wide receiver 54 and wide receiver 56 respectively. Um, obviously they flashed as, as rookies and I think that people are penciling them in as the wide receiver twos on their offenses and expecting them to be week in, week out, fancy relevant players. And for me, I, I just don't see it. I think that they're the perfect type of player who flashes a rookie the fancy community gets really excited about them coming out. You know, yes, they were a rookie. They're going to be great in year two. And I just think that the stats, you know, stats don't lie. Quite frankly, their their chance of hitting as a, you know, a top 24 receiver are basically zero. So why would I take a chance on them when I could take guys, you know, in similar ranges, you know, to keep banging the same drum, Brandon Cooks, Corey Davis, people like that, give me them over a Gabriel Davis or Dunham Mooney every day. What about you? After I've slated anyone, is is there anyone that you particularly like in this best of the rest bunch? Uh, I just want to defend Chase Claypool there. I, <laughs> I like him. Um, I think Juju goes next year and doesn't come back this time. I, I am a little bit concerned with Big Ben. Um, he He's ageing and the team showed last year, or at least this off-season, that they weren't too willing to bring him back unless he took a massive pay cut, which he did. Uh, Deontay did have a lot of uh, targets last year, and I do think that continues. But it's interesting to see what happens with Claypool, whether he becomes the one in that offence in the next two years' time, which I don't believe is going to happen. But... I, I do get your point on him being touchdown um, dependent. So I think he's much more of a, if you're going to buy him, 
I'd probably wait until the season starts. I think, my... but if you're going to, if you've got him on your roster, I'm probably holding and hoping that he does something this year. I think my issue with Claypool isn't isn't him as a player, and I think that his price, you know, he, he's he's okay. The the issue I have is people projecting him as the number one in that offense because he's big and fast, and I think that people get so caught up on size and speed when it comes to the wide receiver position when we've seen that it doesn't matter it doesn't lead to it you know physical metrics are irrelevant when it comes to fantasy production and i think that deontay johnson has shown that to me target volume is a talent and he commands that target volume when he is on the field and i see deontay johnson is the one but just because he's not six foot four and runs a four four everybody's too quick to anoint Chase Capel as the the alpha on that offense. When I just think that to me, he's going to be a fantastic one B to Deontay's one A. And I just think that at, at the current price, I'm okay with it, but I don't think you can go out and buy him at, at his current price, if that makes sense. Yeah. That, that's where I'm at with Claypool as well. Uh, just circling back to the other two that you mentioned, um, so that's Davis and Mooney. I'm, I'm the same. I've been trying to sell both of them. If I have any shares of them, I know I don't have any more of Mooney. Um, and I've tried to sell Davis where I can. Um, th- this is what I've talked about for the past couple of pods, where you, you look for contract situations or you look for a little boom, you buy it and then you, you sell it when that price gets really high. So for me, I'm selling Davis and Mooney because of their booming production and following on from that train of thought. One person that I w- was trying to sell at the start of this offseason before the franchise tags came in and then one that I'm probably buying a little bit to sell later and sell next season or next offseason is Tyler Johnson. Um, so I'm not buying him for his talent. I do think that he has good talent, but not to the point where we think he's going to be fantasy relevant. Um, the reason I'm buying him at the moment is he's basically free. He's going for what a third round. You might be able to get him as a throw-in um, in any trades. But next season, you've got Chris Godwin, who's on the franchise tag. He's not going to be with the team. Um, unless he signs an extension and Antonio Brown back on a one-year deal. Justin Watson is probably looking like a cap casualty this year, but if he's not, um, he, he's also going to be gone uh, next year. He's not under contract. So you've just got Scotty Miller, Jalen Darden, who was drafted this year, and Mike Evans, um, as well as uh, Tyler Johnson. So, I think for me, I'm probably buying him to sell when his price goes up. And I don't think it's going to go up by a lot, but I'm probably looking to sell him January, February time when people start looking to the next season and see that the books don't really have anyone else. And then hope that Chris Godwin doesn't sign another, sign an extension with, with them. How do you feel about that, Rich? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, as I said, I stick to brand and day three wide receivers don't matter. So for me, I'm I'm probably not going out and buying Tyler Johnson as much as he was a, you know, completely stood out in my analytical model as a, a complete studying in college. Um, I just don't know. I think as long as Tom Brady is there, Chris Godwin's going nowhere. 
And I think that, yes, if if Brady retires, we could see Godwin move on. We could see everybody else move in on that offence. But then I probably don't want a part of that passing game if Tom Brady's not there. And I don't even know who would be the, the you know, the quarterback at that point. Kyle, Kyle Trask yeah, at that point. That's, that's not happening, is it? Let's be honest. Kyle Trask is a career backup. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah. The, the the one guy I guess we probably should mention that we've not in terms of a higher priced guy, and that's LaVisca Chenault. Um, I think we've seen the price skyrocket this year with Trevor Lawrence kind of in tow. Do you think that LaVisca could break out and be the, you know, the fantasy relevant receiver in that offense? Do you think it will be DJ Chark or, you know, what, what, do, you, what do you make of Chenault at his current price? I again I'm I'm always a skeptic and I'm really risk averse so I'm not going out to buy him because I don't know who in that offense is going to be fantasy relevant um Marvin Jones showed last year that he can still do it and then DJ Chark was also really good last year with Gardner Minshew or Luton or whoever was throwing the ball so I do think one of them is going to be relevant and the other one might be just a middling wide receiver three. And the other one, whoever's left over, might be maybe irrelevant, maybe just as a flex play, hoping for a boom week. But I, I, I'm not going out to buy him, but if I've got him, I'm probably not selling him either, unless I've got other pieces on that offense. Um, and I, I think I'm really torn on Visca at the moment because... With, with the, I don't know how much of it was coach speak as well, but I believe Maya came out and said that he was looking at Tony in the first. Yeah. Now, I would assume that's mostly coach speak, but if there's any sort of truth to that, I don't know how much that means that Visca is actually going to have a role. Um, and that offense is the offense of juniors anyway. You've got LaVisca Chenault, who's also a, a junior, as in, He's got a senior there named after his father. Then you've also got DJ Chark Jr. And then you've got Marvin Jones Jr. So uh, just a quick little fun note there. But I, I, I do think that Fisker is a risky buy. He's kind of like Claypool for me. And yeah. um, if he hits, then you're going to get a good, a really good return. But his price at the moment is more like a hold. I think, yeah, it, you know, you could, again, you can echo what I've said to four or five guys in this range. I just, I'm not comfortable paying the price that he's currently going at. I'm a little bit concerned that the Travis Etienne drafting could eat into some of that um, Visca work in that sort of short and intermediate route. I think we've heard a lot about Etienne's going to be a pass catcher and we could, they're going to put him in space and all that kind of thing. And I think, you know, a lot of the LaVisca, you know, reason to love him was the fact that he was a movable piece that was going to get the ball in space that was going to be used in the screen game that was going to be used out the backfield and I think that vaporizes with the Etienne drafting so so yeah I'm I'm, I'm not huge on on LaVisca Chanel so that that concludes the the pod um next week Liam and I will be back we're going to do um we're undecided whether we're going to do quarterbacks and tight ends as one pod um, or we're going to try and break them down into two. I think we're probably going to do one because let's be honest, there's not exactly many tight ends to, to have a deep, deep and uh, 
conversation about. So it may be a, a double pod next week. Um, but thank you all for listening. Um, by all means, if you're not following Liam, you can follow him on the FSA tweets on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me. I'm at Dynasty Island, and you can follow the team at Five Yard Dynasty. We were delighted to have Danny release his first article of the Five Yard Dynasty team last week. Um, and there will be more coming from the four of us over the coming weeks. So look forward to speaking to you again next week. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm gonna do this to protect myself. Do it for them, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.